The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. On today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, what is going to be the biggest film of 2023? Is it going to be Barbie, Mario Brothers, or could there be a third contender? Also, Ray and I will give our review of the Jason Statham masterpiece, Meg to the Trench. Also, with Oppenheimer out there right now, what are Christopher Nolan's realistic chances of maybe finally getting a Best Director Academy Award? Also, at the box office, Barbie is now actually outpacing the number one film of the year, Super Mario Brothers. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch more. The John Cabot Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show on the planet of the John Campbell Show podcast. Coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campion, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world. Movies, movie news, TV, streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. Not just giving you our opinions, but giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Uh, joining me in studio today, we got Ray Ora. Hey, hey. Right beside him is Jonathan Voiko. Hello. Chris Carr is in the house. Hey, everybody. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for making this show part of your day. Here's how the show's going to go. We're going to start off by discussing those topics I just listed off. And then in the last part of the show, we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members. For those of you listening to the podcast, we also have a YouTube channel where we put up some videos every day. And we have a great group of supporters known as our YouTube channel members. And every day we ask them to fire in some topics and questions for us to address. So with all that down, let's get into it with this. Uh, Barbie's blowing up the box office. Uh, Super Mario Brothers stunned the world. It's currently the number one film of the year. But what is ultimately going to be the number one film of the year? And that is the topic of today's Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Listen, guys, if you have a question for our podcast or for one of our YouTube videos, go ahead and call it in anytime 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And this question is specifically about what's going to be the number one film of the year. Check it out. Hey, John, this is Tori. You guys talking about Barbie duking it out with Super Mario right now for the box office crown got me curious to see if there's any real competition for either of them coming later this year. The only ones I really see as possibilities to beat Mario or Barbie are the Marvels, Dune, and maybe the new Hunger Games. What do you think, John? Is this just a two-horse race for the top two spots in this year's box office? Thanks. All right, Tori, thanks a lot for calling that in. So, yeah, look, right now, Super Mario Brothers sits on top of the mountain. It is the number one film of the year at $1.35 billion. Uh, also, the only billion-dollar club film of the year so far. So it's sitting up there. But rapidly approaching on it, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but rapidly approaching is Barbie. Barbie is well over $800 million. It is currently outpacing Mario Brothers, and it very well could cross the billion-dollar mark this weekend and then it's got Mario Brothers in its sights. Maybe it could catch it. And I think for a lot of people, it is now just a foregone conclusion that the biggest film of the year is a two-horse race, Mario Brothers 
and Barbie. It's going to be one of those two. But as she just pointed out, there actually could be another contender. Uh, Let's look at these. The first thing she brought up was Marvels, right? Now, the first one, known as Captain Marvel, with Academy Award winner Brie Larson, broke the billion-dollar mark, became one of the members of the Billion Dollar Club, huge success. It was a pretty good movie. I, I don't think it was great, but it was a pretty good movie. And so you got this new one. It's a Marvel MCU film coming out. There's a couple of reasons, though, why I don't think that this one's going to break even a billion, let alone get into the race with Barbie and Super Mario Brothers. Number one is the fact that right now MCU is trending downwards a bit, right? People are starting to lose some faith in that. Number two, we're coming off of Secret Invasion with Nick Fury, who's one of the big players in the Marvel's movies. He's all over the trailers. And uh, to put it kindly, (laughs) the reactions to Secret Invasion were uh, mixed. Again, to put it kindly, a little bit mixed. The the third reason, I would say, uh, that I don't think Marvel's will be in that race, let alone break the billion-dollar mark, is the fact that two of the three stars, if you don't watch Disney+, and not everybody does, You don't even know who two of these people are. You've never seen Photon. You've never seen Ms. Marvel. You've never seen either one of these. And so there might be a little bit of confusion going in. Now, I still think the Marvels is going to make money. It's going to be a hit, sure. But I I don't see it breaking the billion-dollar mark and definitely don't see it catching up with Barbie or Mario Brothers. Uh, One of the other ones you brought up is uh, Hunger Games Snakes and Ladders. Or actually, and I'm, I'm being facetious, but what is the title again? Songbirds. Songbirds and Snakes. Or Songbirds like of, and Snakes? Yeah. Whatever. The new Hunger Games movie is coming out. Now, I personally thought nobody would be interested in this movie. Uh, I had very little interest in it, and I honestly didn't think anybody would. Not even hardcore Hunger Games fans. But I'll tell you what. Once the trailer came out, and I started seeing some of the response to it, and then Ann and I were just recently in Vegas and we went to the Hunger Games experience and it was packed. Ah, I think I was wrong. I, I don't think nobody is going to be interested in it. But I don't necessarily think this is a movie that's going to be a billion dollar film. As a matter of fact, Ray, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think if you can look this up, I don't yeah. think any of the Hunger Games films, the one with Jennifer in them, I don't think any of the Hunger Games films ever broke a billion dollars alone, so I'm not quite sure why a prequel would, let alone get to that $1.3 billion mark. So I'm going to also suggest that you can take the Hunger Games out. Now, now, is there room for surprise with Hunger Games? Kind of like there was some surprise with Barbie? Yeah. There is room in there that maybe a whole bunch of latent Hunger Games fans may be coming out of the woodwork for this. Possible, but I don't think it will. What do we got over there, Ray? We got nothing. Nothing even over 500 million really now that we've over 500 so yeah so no 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 no. sorry let me correct myself the highest one was 865 million okay so and which one was that that one was hunger games catching fire the next one was 755 million and that was hunger games mocking jay part Part one one. right part two made 653 million yeah, Drops. Catching Fire was the best one. I yeah, think. yeah. I actually really like Catching Fire. So it's at, been at in rate. that 600 to uh, 900 So range. none of them made a billion. So the same rationale that I had with when I said that I don't think Mission Impossible was going to hit the billion. None of the other Mission Impossibles have. So I think you can take that out of it. But then there's Dune. Specifically Dune 2. Coming to us from Denis Villeneuve, of course, with Zendaya, Timothy Chalamet, 
and a whole amazing A-list packed cast. Now, you might say, well, John Dune can't be that third competitor. The first one only made, what was it, 400 and some rate? Give me that final number. But it only made around 400 something million dollars, right? True. But you have to remember a couple of important facts. 402. 402 million? Mm-hmm. So it beat Black Adam. <laughs> and two important facts to keep in mind. Number one, it was still in the midst of the theaters dealing with the pandemic. Number two, and most importantly, it was one of the victims of the biggest idiot move in the history of the movie business. When then at the time, Warner Brothers CEO Jason Kalar decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take all of our Warner Brothers movies this year and we're going to put them on HBO Max at the same time that we put them in theaters. And they are still feeling the repercussions and dealing with the damage of that decision from lawsuits, broken relationships, business partners, the departure of Christopher Nolan, all that kind of stuff, all as a result of that one big idiot move. But so keeping in mind that there was a pandemic and the fact that people could just stay at home and watch it. And yet that movie still managed to make $400 million. The CEO of IMAX recently was just talking about Dune, and he was saying he thinks this thing's going to be massive, and Dune is going to have the IMAX screens to itself for a prolonged period of time. Now, am I sitting here telling you that Dune 2 will be the number one box office film of the year? Not exactly, but I think it is a three-horse race, and I think this is the third horse. I I think Dune 3 will be in the running. At minimum, Dune 3 will end up being the third biggest box office film of the year, but it could end up being second, and who knows? If all the stars align, it could end up being first. So yeah, I will go out and say this is a three-horse race. I think there is a legitimate shot that Dune could be that. Now look, Dune could also open to $50 million and maybe end up making five or $600 million. That's a possibility too. But out of all the films, look, Killers of the Flower Moon looks incredible, but let's be honest, that's not a big box office kind of movie. There are a few other ones of that ilk as well. Like, I think the new Willy Wonka movie looks insane and looks great. I think Napoleon, the new Ridley Scott film with Joaquin Phoenix, that looks amazing, but I don't think that's a huge box office draw. I think it can be a hit, but I don't think it's going to be a billion-dollar film. But So I'm going to say, yeah, the three-horse race is Mario, in no particular order, Barbie, and Dune 2. Chris, so obviously two of the movies in the running for biggest film of the year is Mario, which currently holds the top spot, Mm -hmm. Barbie, which is coming up on its heels. Is it just a two-horse race, or do you see the possibility of maybe a third or maybe even a fourth film legitimately being in that race? How do you see it? I can see Dune creeping up in there because y'all love Sleepy Tremors. All y'all love that (laughs) movie so much. I wish I did. Maybe I will on part two because that's where a lot of stuff happens. But I think that... (laughs) Glad that got tremors. <laughs> Man, the internet hates it when I do that. But I, I just, it's, it's pretty. That's all I got from that movie. It wasn't for me. But I really think it's just down to Barbie and Mario. Those were some bombastic numbers. Barbie keeps climbing. She's got legs. 
I really think that's the one to beat this year, and it is just dominating. I don't know how they're going to be able to get up there because week after week, this movie continues to perform at such a level that no one anticipated. And while Dune is obviously iconic, this is a huge gap in my own geek knowledge of not having read the books and not being particularly familiar with that world. I know there are a lot of diehard fans who love those books so much, and we're so happy to see the first one executed in a way that made them happy. So maybe that'll be the one that climbs out and really takes everything, but I don't see it having that same kind of pop culture phenomena that Barbie and Super Mario had. I don't see, I mean, Dave Bautista looks great, but I don't see everybody dressing up like this to meet each other at the movies. (laughs) Do you see, what about any of the other ones that we talked about? Like, you know, we got, hey, look, we got another Aquaman movie coming and whatever state the DCU is in right now, the last Aquaman movie made a billion dollars. We've got Napoleon coming, Killers of the Flower Moon. We got a Hunger Games movie coming. Uh, do, do you see any of the others having a possibility of getting in that race? I don't. I don't. Uh, I was so surprised when we were at CinemaCon by how much the crowd reacted to the Hunger Games trailer. Yeah, I was, I was surprised by that. I was that. genuinely blown away by that because I went into that going, do people want this movie? And apparently theater owners really freaking do. But of course... The original Hunger Games did very well for them. So I'm thinking that they hope they get that same kind of momentum again of, ooh, another kind of franchise. Ooh, let's do this. Let's let's work with that again and have our theaters here with all these kids who love these YA novels. But I don't think it's going to catch these movies. Ray, are we overlooking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, on, Mutant man. Mayhem? Come on, man. <laughs> do not, do not, do not make fun of that movie. <laughs> Just playing. <clears throat> the movie I would like to see because it, uh, I actually been liking it more and more, but it has no chances. Wonka, I really want Wonka to be, uh, 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 but I don't think the the younger kids even read that book anymore. <laughs> I don't know. No, I agree. Um, and by the way, the Wonka thing, I agree with you. Like I went from being interested in that movie because it's Timothy Chalamet, because it's the director of yeah. the Paddington movies, which is the biggest one to me. I've gone from being interested to being. I'm dying to see this movie. Now, I think this movie isn't just going to be good. I think it's going to be great, but I, I don't think it's going to be a billion-dollar film. And I'm going to say this right now. If you ever see one of those, like let's say, head kicks in UFC where right when it lands or like a punch in boxing, right when it lands, you could just turn around and be like, it's over. Like that? That's the way I feel about Barbie. It's over. This is over. I really, really think it's, it's going to I really think it's going to be you think it's, it's over. over. I, it's the guy that hits the home run. And just starts walking to the first base without him. It's over. It is so you're over. doing your Vince Carter going. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's over. The old basketball reference. Yeah, yeah. Say this because I'm going to be really wrong, <laughs> really right. But it's over. I, I the, the the money you're telling me. When I went to the when we went to the theater and I said, oh, there's not a lot of pink anymore. And then you told me the numbers it made or yesterday yeah. or whatever. There is still, they were probably just all in the theater watching it. Yeah, they were all in there already. It's, it's a group watching. It's a multiple watch. It's like, hey, you haven't seen this yet? Okay, I'm going to call this person, this person who has seen it already. It and we'll go together. 500 million to go. I know it's a big number, but I, like it's I said, it's, it's outpacing Mario right now. Mm. It's, a, it's yeah. ahead of where Mario was at this point. So we'll see. So guys, yeah, I think it is indeed a three horse race. I think it's Mario Barbie. And I think you can throw Dune, uh, the, what won six Academy Awards, by the way, this last film. Now, maybe it's one of these other ones, or maybe like Ray says, it's already over. It's the Barbie's world and it's going to take that title. Whatever you guys think, jump on down to the comments and let us know. All right. With that down. Speaking of going to the theaters, last night, 
was like, dare I say, like our pilgrimage to Mecca. We went to the movie theaters last night, ladies and gentlemen, to behold the movie, nay, the event of Meg 2, The Trench, with one of my legitimately, no joking around, favorite action stars in the world, Jason Statham. I love Jason Statham. I've been in love with this guy ever since Lock, Stock, Snatch, Crank, you name it. I love this guy. And he alone almost made me like the first Meg. I, I was not actually a fan of the first Meg, but just the fact that Jason was in there almost made me like just it. Just kicking Megalodons in the face right here. Yeah. I mean, listen, who else can kick a Megalodon in the face? Well, Chuck Norris, but you know. Yeah. To be fair. But this is our modern day Chuck Norris. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Meg to the stench. He can walk on water, this guy. I'm telling mm-hmm. you. So we went in to go see Meg. And I'll tell you what, the trailers, while I have not been excited for this movie, the trailers are not half bad, actually. They kind of, the trailers leaned into the over-the-topness of it. And, and it's like, you know, I was not looking forward to it, but I thought there's potential, right? And I can tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, <laughs> Meg to the Trench is my all-time favorite August release Jason Statham starring movie with three giant sharks. Whoa. Boom. That's so brave to say. I know. What I know I'm going out statement. on a limb. Damn. August release Jason <laughs> Statham star with three giant sharks. Never early screening. Better early look. screening. <laughs> What's that? Add early screening to that. It One day early screening. Because <laughs> it comes out tomorrow today. No, okay. Yes, sir. Well, every, every. Every oh, release right. date, the Thursday is actually I, the official release date. So it wasn't early. Yeah, it just ruined your thing. I'm but sorry. that's almost like its own genre, right? Yeah, August yeah. release, Jason Statham, three giant shark movies. Um, guys, this movie is awful. It's really bad. Now, I'm not going to tell you that there aren't moments. There are moments. Yeah. There, there are some <laughs> moments in this film there's, that are actually moment. pretty good. There, there's, there are moments that are pretty good. Uh, one involves... Uh, divers under the water and maybe one of them having a suit that's damaged. I won't say anything more than that, but it, it is a legitimately great scene. There's a, there's one legitimately fantastic scene in this movie. Um, there are, there are a few jokes that worked, not many of them, not a high percentage of them, but there were a few <laughs> jokes that got a good giggle out of me. Yeah, I guess. Seeing <laughs> um, Jason Statham uh, trying to have witty banter with a 12 year old girl. Sure, there, there's, there can be some charm in that. But this is one of the worst written. Like every, f- I'd say 50 to 50 seconds to two minutes, I would literally be moaning out loud at a line <laughs> they put in the movie. It's like, oh my God, he's not about to say this. Oh my God, he said it. it it's one of the most amateurish, horribly put together movies ever. And you know what? Some of the VFX were pretty good. I thought the sharks looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, almost everything that has to do with the shark being on screen, not bad. Mm-hmm. Jason Statham being the angry Englishman always kind of works for me. But, oh, oh my God. And the villains. Oh my God, the bad guys. It's not the... Yeah. The Megs? <laughs> no, the, the human bad guys. <gasps> oh, no. There are human bad guys mm-hmm. who are just like the most epitome of 
the black top hat mustache twirling. Meh, I am going to throw the damsel on the train tracks. Meh. Like it, it is just like mind boggling. Now look, I don't need every movie to be Shakespeare. I get just good, fun, dumb movies. I get that. But even in those, you've got to put some semblance mm-hmm. of quality in it. You got you can't be putting dialogue in it that was sounding like it was written by a fourth fourth grader. You can't have things happening to it that you can A, telegraph from a mile away, and B, when you did telegraph it from a mile away, you were begging that you were wrong. And everything about this movie, other than those few bright spots that I mentioned, is truly horrible. It is the worst film of 2023 so far. And right now, the last I checked, and Ray, you can update this, the last I checked, it had a 23%, which honestly, to me, is super high. That is like- 27%. 27? Mm. Okay. That means more than one out of every four critics that have seen it liked it. 93 reviews, 26%. Audience score, 66. Oh, I, it's, it's truly awful. I had two. Now, l- l- listen, oh. there were, there were a couple of people sitting beside us that legitimately sound like they were having a good time. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing about movies. It's all subjective. Maybe you're just looking for that funny thing that a giant shark does. And you're going to walk out saying, you know what? I went in wanting this, and that's what I got. I had a good time. Nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly great. And that's why every movie is for somebody. I'm just saying from my own personal perspective, I wanted to love a Jason Statham movie because I love Jason but this movie was not it. Well, it's with a heavy heart. I have to announce today that uh, the streak is over for watching good movies. It uh, started on February 17th, 2023, and it lasted all the way to August 3rd. It's pretty good. 2023. That's not bad. That's more than bad. bad. We had a drug dealing cocaine bear or whatever. (laughs) We had John Wick. We had that crit roll with the Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. That's a creed action. We had the best movie movie of the year, Oppenheimer, to my favorite movie of the year, Mutant Mayhem. Um, There's two two moments in the movie that I like. By the, the way, one, Ray, Ray referred to it as the Oppenheimer of the sea. Yeah. That's what he called uh, Meg the Trench. The two best movie uh, moments in that movie were when I opened up my curly fries. Oh, nice. And that then later on, moment. when I w- w- looked at you and said, I already have my rating. You want to go? <laughs> yeah, Those were two we're about of my 20 favorite minutes in the movies. In the- no, maybe about a half hour into the movie. He's like, I've got my rating. You want to go? I'm like, we've got to stay through the whole thing. I was laughing through the whole thing, and it was in the worst the worst reason why See, because- I was just laughing. I was crying. Actually, it, it wasn't even like, uh, yeah, see it. It's that bad. I can't yeah. even do that to anybody. I mean, there's better. There, there shark was a movies moment. Out there. there was a moment where a character says, or I think it was Jason Statham. Yeah. The character says that was close. And I said out loud, you could hear me in the theater. Don't say too close. Don't say too close. Too close. The next person I'm like, ah! And then I looked at John. That's just then- a microcosm. That's not the biggest problem. I'm saying that's just a microcosm example of the entirety of this movie. On a scale of one to moonfall. Okay. Where is the mag? It was a bunch of megalodoo. A megalodoo? Yeah, yeah, we stepped in a bunch of <laughs> megalodoo. This is my favorite. You know what? Of all time. I think Moonfall is a great I would comparison. No, what? I would watch Moonfall. I'm Please not sure which one I would watch. Well, because sitting if next I had to you for watch... Moonfall, you were like, oh, come on. I know, but that's what I was in Meg <laughs> Yeah. I, I, 
I might watch Meg 2 before I watch no, Moonfall again. But I'm not sure. That I'm not is, sure. That's how bad it was. Damn. I mean, what's what sucks is though is that like the trailers made it look like. Oh, yeah. yeah right. Go ahead. Is that is it made it look like we know this is dumb. We're ha- we're gonna have a lot of fun with yeah. it. Yeah. Which and I'm all hoping. for. And so I was like, oh, it. That's what it's supposed to be. But unfortunately, it seems like from your guys' description, they took themselves seriously, and it's just terrible writing and I, a terrible story. I, I I like things so much. Like I usually like everything I watch. This is the one where they pushed. They went over the line with me. <laughs> they crossed that line. But I, I got to. I'm uh, definitely streaming this. I got to follow Jonathan and the trailer. <laughs> If you just watch the trailer, you'll get all the good parts in the movie. I'm yeah. sorry. I hate to say that. And but. they kept out most of the worst parts. There's also, this is a minor spoiler, but this is another example. This is just a microcosm that kind of gives you a sense of the DNA of the whole film. So when they're under the water, they encounter these, these monsters that are about the size of really big, giant dogs, right? Just think of really a really, really big dog. They're roughly that size. Then And they attack them in like swarms underwater. Okay, great. Well, when the thing that separates the trench from the regular ocean is breached, turns out these little suckers have four legs and they just go onto an island and they just perfectly are perfectly good on dry land. Yeah. Like they've never been on land ever in their ancestry, ever. But they're just now, we got dinosaurs. It basically, mm. at one point in the movie, it kind of becomes Jurassic Park, right. where they're running from these dinosaur, basically, things on land. Which sounds and then great. They're and they're trying to contend with <laughs> Megs and a giant octopus in the water. And the pressure of the abyss didn't collapse their lungs. No, no, they were perfectly good. Perfectly good. They, uh, that's just the way they evolved, Jonathan. Don't ask questions. Right. Let, me, let me sum my review up in one sentence. If you're going to do a shark movie... Just give me the sharks. That's all I wanted. You concentrated on too many other things. And a lot of the shots were the fins above the water, which is a cheap way to get sharks. I want to see those big ass mouths. I'm going to disagree with you on this. Really? I actually thought there was a fair amount of shark in it. More than I thought there would be. I honestly thought there was more shark in this one than I thought there would be. They had really had no purpose. They well, really had no they ate purpose. a lot of people. Like the first one, they were researching. The, they were just there just to well, stop messing We got to move yeah. on. Because, uh, yeah. So I mean, watch it. Go ahead and watch it. I dare you. No, I really wouldn't recommend that you do it. But uh, I mean, hey, but listen, one out of every four critics liked it. So maybe you will too. There's something for everybody in every movie. All right. With that down, speaking of Oppenheimer of the Sea, uh, the real Oppenheimer. <laughs> is out in theaters, also doing extremely well at the box office, uh, just killing it for as a Christopher for a historical biopic kind of movie. It's doing bonkers good business, and it's brought up the question, and a lot of people are asking as we go into award season, how could Oppenheimer fare? And that is the topic of this another Mint Mobile Hotline question of the day. Check it out. Hey John, it's Nathan from Dublin, Ohio. I have a question about Oppenheimer. It's been out for about two weeks now, and Variety has it predicting about 12 Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Sporting Actor, Best Sound. But the real question I have is, what percentage would you give Christopher Nolan to win his very first Oscars? Thanks. Thanks a lot for calling that in. Yeah, listen, I have gone on record that I actually believe Oppenheimer is Christopher Nolan's best movie. It's replaced Insomnia as my favorite movie by Christopher Nolan. Um, it's 
it is his magnum opus. It is his masterpiece. It's just incredible. I, I love just about, it's hard for me to think of anything about the movie I didn't like. It was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Even all the performances in it, which come straight from the director. I mean, it's just remarkable. Now, Christopher Nolan is the best director, uh, or at least one of the best directors out there that does not have an Academy Award. He's like the new Martin Scorsese. He's been around a long time doing it. And, of course, Martin Scorsese eventually got his with The Departed. But Christopher Nolan's floating around out there without an Academy Award for Best Director. Clearly, he's going to win one, two, or three of them before his career is over. But he doesn't have one yet. What are the chances that Oppenheimer could be the one that gets him his Best Directing Award? Well, first, when you ask me what's the percentage chance, it's impossible to give that when most of the other contenders haven't had their movies out yet. Like, it's like walking into a gym, watching a guy training and say, what do you think the percentage chance is that he'll win when you've never seen the guy he's fighting? I have no idea. I got to see the other guy he's fighting to give you what I think his chances are. And there are four major contenders, three of which we haven't seen yet. One of the major contenders he's going to have to deal with is Greta Gerwig for Barbie. Uh, That is just a masterfully directed movie. Now, I would give it to Christopher Nolan over Greta Gerwig. I think Oppenheimer ultimately is the far better movie, but Greta Gerwig's going to have a lot of momentum behind her going into this. And I think you have to consider that she's going to be one of the five nominated directors. Then, of course, you got Christopher Nolan. Then there are three others that, again, haven't seen them, so I might change my mind once I hear this, but I think you've got to believe that Denis Villeneuve is going to be one of those he's going to have to contend with with Dune 2. Of course, the first Dune won the most Academy Awards at the Academy Awards that it was at. Not Best Director, but uh, that's going to be one of the big ones that uh, he's going to have, that good Canadian kid right there, Denis Villeneuve, he's going to have to contend with him. So that's one of the unknown ones. The second one is the aforementioned Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. Everything, every second, every frame of the previews we've seen for Killers of the Flower Moon scream Oscar contender. They just, they just all do. And whenever you're in a year that Martin Scorsese has a movie out, you're going to have to consider that Martin Scorsese is going to be one of the people in the running for that award. So Nolan's got to contend with Greta Gerwig. He's got to contend with Denis Villeneuve. He's got to contend with uh, Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. And then there's Napoleon. Mm-hmm. With an existing Academy Award winner, another existing Academy Award winner, who's won this award before, Ridley Scott. I'll tell you what, I'm like a lot of people that I wasn't paying a lot of attention to this Napoleon project of his, despite the fact that he had Joaquin Phoenix starring in it, which obviously has got to get your attention and it makes you take notice. But, oh my God, guys, wait until they put out the full preview that they showed us at CinemaCon in April. The whole theater, they played us this 12-minute clip. I I can't remember. Everybody was dead silent. The tension was insane when they played this one long sequence for us. And then the trailers came in. The trailer looks incredible. So that alone makes it difficult for Christopher Nolan, the fact that he's going to probably, and again, I'm just kind of looking to a crystal ball here. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But it looks like the five nominees 
for best director this year going to be Christopher Nolan, yes, but he's going to go be going up against Greta Gerwig, who's been nominated in this category before, against Martin Scorsese, who has won in this category before, against Ridley Scott, who has won in this category before, and against Denis Villeneuve, that some people consider to be the best director in the world right now. And we have not seen Napoleon, Dune 2, or Killers of the Flower Moon. So, look, I like Chris, as of right now, having seen Oppenheimer, I think this is his best shot that he's ever had. I'll say that. I think this year, because Oppenheimer is so good, I think this is the best shot he's ever had yet. But what if Napoleon turns out to be one of the top five best films we've ever seen? What if Dune lives up to all of its potential? What if Killers of the Flower Moon is every bit as good as it looks? I mean, it's just hard to say a percentage chance. Chris, I mean, Christopher Nolan is a guy, every time he's got a movie coming out this year, that movie is an event just Mm -hmm. because Christopher Nolan directed it. He hasn't won one yet. Does he win it this year? It's so hard to say because there is so much still to come. We have so many other movies that we need to see. And that clip of Napoleon was so incredible. And that is typically not my kind of movie, right? A lot of the historical, more war-centric kind of things, I can take them for what they are, but it's not something I typically gravitate towards. That, there is a magnetic pull to that scene. It is so harrowing. Seeing the soldiers under the ice in that scene is bananas, the color gradient in it and everything. And that was just one moment. If the rest of the movie is like that, that is going to be the best film of the year. That was so amazing, so intense, so wonderfully done. I don't even care that he's not French. (laughs) Remove it from my mind. We have so many other things too, because again, with Dune, part two is supposed to be epic. You have this incredibly stacked cast. You have the real meat of the story coming to fruition with a lot of epic battles and sandworm riding and all kinds of things happening. That could be really, really rad and amazing. That's what we call our romantic Saturday evenings. Oh, gross. Poor <laughs> yeah. Anne. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Sorry, girl. Oh, that, man. that was in uh, Oppenheimer, too. In the right part. <laughs> yeah, it was. There, yeah, sandworm riding. It's a lot of full frontal. Uh, <laughs> which usually is the guarantee of getting an Oscar nomination. Well, my nomination, you know? yeah. <laughs> But there's, there's a lot of stuff that still we have to see before we can really weigh in on this. But, man, what a good problem to have. You know, we were joking before about how, like, there have been so many good movies this year. We've had a good run. But really, this has been a really good year for movies. And it's great to see that we're not going to lose steam the rest yeah, of the Yeah, it year. looks like the best is still to come. Exactly. Uh, this, this year. This looks so. incredible. I, I see it as a head-to-head between Gerwig in the end. Gerwig and Nolan. And then Scorsese. But that's because you haven't Scorsese, seen any of the other Scorsese ones yet. Is always... But I'm just saying just the, the 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 just how big these movies are and how good they both of them are. It's hard for me to see anything come come close other than the the Scorsese film. No, no oh actually, you know what? Forget it. I just shut up now. <laughs> I get Yeah, I mean, I get why you, it looks like Greta Gerwig and and Nolan right now, but we haven't seen yeah, any of the other ones, right? right? I mean, right. we may see those and think cuz I'll be to. honest with you. I really like the Barbie movie. It's not going to end up in my top five favorite of the year. I really like it, but it's not going to be top five favorite. I don't think Greta Gerwig will or should win Best Director. Because really? even right oh, now, okay. if it's just her and Christopher Nolan, I, I would vote Christopher Nolan. Ooh. But she could be second. I mean, <laughs> who don't, you know, Napoleon could come out and might not be any good. We've all seen Ridley Scott movies that are not very good. Oh, but he did the best one. Oh, uh, he did do The Martian. <laughs> Uh, Napoleon may look great, but it might not be of uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. 
May be a snore fest. Dune 2 may shit the bed. I mean, who knows? Well, it's well, going to be a great run for all of whoever's nominated. It's going to yeah. be a hard choice. Probably. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take just a quick moment here and thank the sponsor of today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast, our friends and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video. Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for being my mobile service provider and of course for sponsoring the john campia show podcast all right guys with that down uh, let's discuss this a little more quickly here so a little bit earlier in the show we talked about the three horse race or maybe it's just a two horse race or maybe it's over as ray was saying and it's just going to be barbie about the biggest films of the year well, the reason that's a discussion is not just a foregone conclusion that Mario Brothers, that is currently sitting at $1.35 billion, is going to win this thing. Barbie has passed the $400 million mark domestically and as of today has passed Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, uh, in its spot on the biggest movies of the year list in just 15 to 16 days. And it is pacing ahead of where Mario Brothers was at this time. Now, if, if we bring this up here, we, we, take a, we did a short video about this on the YouTube channel earlier, but I'll bring it up here again. So the Barbie movie, as of today, is passing that $845 million mark of Guardians of the Galaxy. Still a little bit more than $500 million away from the number one box office film of the year so far, the Mario Brothers, which is, again, sitting there at $1.35 billion. But it is on pace. Actually, it's ahead of pace to catch it. So right now, Barbie's got two numbers in front of it. It's got the billion-dollar club in front of it, which very well could beat by the end of this weekend. It might come up a little bit short, but if not, by the end of this weekend, one or two days after that, it's going to cross the billion-dollar mark. And then, of course, the big one, the prize, biggest film of 2023, the $1.35 billion mark with Mario Brothers. Can it have those kinds of legs? Can it get there? A month ago, I would have said there was no chance in hell. That it was going to be big. It would be a hit. No chance in hell it catches Mario Brothers. But now with it outpacing it and nothing really big coming out, I may not think Barbie has the rewatchability that a Super Mario Brothers does, especially with families and bringing kids back to the theaters four, five, six times. But I can no longer deny that there is a chance. I'm that guy talking to Vader in the first Star Wars movie. There is a chance, however unlikely, <laughs> that it very well maybe could. 
catch Mario Brothers flat-footed. Ah, uh, you like what I did there? No. Very well, <laughs> very well could. Catch up and get it there. That the power of good Canadian kid Ryan Gosling could propel this thing. As I'm Just Ken maybe becomes the number one song across America. Um, it's just the next chapter in what has been this ridiculously unexpected story of Barbie's success. Again, I think most of us thought it was going to do well and probably be a hit, but no way, no way did I think it would hit a billion dollars, let alone the possibility of 1.3. And that's now on the radar. Chris, uh, you got around to seeing Barbie. Mm -hmm. You've been seeing, we've been tracking these ridiculous numbers. Biggest opening weekend of the year. Uh, biggest Monday of the year. Yep. Seventh biggest Monday in the history of Hollywood. Biggest Tuesday of the year. I mean, the numbers go on and on. It's currently just very slightly, but still, it's outpacing Mario Brothers right now. Uh, number one, is Billion Dollar Club now a foregone conclusion? Oh, number yes. two, what do you see its chances of catching Super Mario Brothers? It is absolutely joining the Billion Dollar Club. And now I am even more confident in making a $5 bet with you that it will take over. <laughs> the stinks are high oh, for me, you guys. Five. The stinks are really high. We're striking. $5 is a big deal. <laughs> okay? I got to fight to earn my nickels. Okay? But I think it is going to take it over. I am not seeing this lose speed. And again, I know I always bring this up, but I live right next to a movie theater. So I do kind of track movies sometimes too by the, the cosplay of it all. Right. And Mario Brothers, everyone dressed up. It was so cute. It was so wonderful seeing all these families dress up. But they kind of petered out after, you know, the second week. And Barbie, every night I am seeing groups of people clad in all pink going in there. The Regal has pink cocktails to help entice people to get in there, too, for it's a second viewing. Girls' night every night forever. And it's girls', girls night, night every night forever. Yes. There's no, we're, none of us are going to the Mojo Dojo yeah. Casa house. No. Girls' night. I really think this is going to just sweep the legs out of Mario. I think oh, it is Johnny. going to totally, totally <laughs> dominate. And, I mean, it's been busting all these records. It's so frustrating because I'm sure this cast wants to just talk about how great this movie's doing. I'm sure everyone wants to just give Greta her flowers. I'm sure everyone really wants <laughs> to be able to talk about how astounding it is. This movie has done so much better than anyone thought it would, and it just does not look like it's going to stop at all. I think this is the one that's going to take it this year. You know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, too. Here, the It's going to be a double win for Warner Brothers because not only— are they going to you know, reap in the first billion dollar film under the new ownership for Warner Brothers? But when this thing then goes to HBO Max, that's going to be a huge boon for Max. What could be the biggest film of the year? Because I get you, tell you what, Mario Brothers is now going to Peacock. It's It either just launched the other day or it's about to launch on Peacock any day now. That's going to be a huge push for Peacock. And then this going to... HBO Max, I think they said it's going to be late September. Uh, no, they said false, uh, fall, fall. But it's going to be playing in the airlines in, in September already on airlines. Yeah. Like uh, that's what Zaz Zaf was saying because I read his whole interview um, the other day. Um, so it'll be playing on the airplanes in September, but I believe it's fall, he said. That yeah, but expects. late September is fall. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I've been hearing it's going to be late September. They're going to put it in there. They might give it a little bit more runway in the theaters if it's still making money, which would be the smart thing for them to do. But man, when it does, it's gonna be it's gonna be a double pronged win for them on this and one that they badly needed. All right, guys, 
With that down, we're now going to go over and take questions from our YouTube channel members. By the way, if you're not a YouTube channel member, why don't you become one? There are certain benefits like every day we take questions from our YouTube channel members. Once in a while, we do channel member only town hall meetings. And by the way, for our director and producer level channel members, add free versions of the John Campia Show podcast up on the YouTube channel, plus access to emojis and stuff like that. Bunch of cool things. So why don't you check out becoming one of those? But with that being said, let's get over and start taking those questions, shall we? Chris, what do we have up first? From Jermaine King, John, the new season of my favorite reality TV show, Big Brother, returned this week. And the theme this season is, you guessed it, the multiverse. Oh, God. When will all this multiverse of madness end? Every night, forever. <laughs> I, I'll, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I have never watched, well, no, I think I might have watched one episode once, but... Generally speaking, I've never watched Big Brother. I, I don't like reality television. The closest thing to reality, reality television I've watched is Ultimate Fighter. And even that, as big of an MMA fan as I am, I don't watch Ultimate Fighter. I haven't watched it in years. I used to watch for a bit, but I hate reality TV. The closest thing to reality TV I'll get into is maybe something like The Voice, but that's more game show than it is reality TV. Um, so I'm not really into it. How on earth do you do a multiverse theme with a reality show? What are they doing there? Is anybody in this room watch Big Brother? Uh -oh. you just, no. I, I, wear different outfits? No, I'm thinking maybe <laughs> they get all the cast from other ones and just switch them around. Ooh. Maybe. I don't know. Something like that. That'd be interesting. All right. Now what's I'm next? interested. All right. From Heba. In regards to Suits raising popularity, I rewatched and finished Suits a few months ago, and what inspired me to do so was the many shorts on YouTube yeah. that would show clips of the show. I never see shorts of any other show except this one. Was this a brilliant marketing move? I've, I've seen it happen a lot, mm -hmm. uh, at least in my YouTube feed. I remember, you know, for a while I was getting little shorts of billions, and then for whatever reason, Ronald Moore's Battlestar Galactica, which inspired me to go and start my rewatch of Battlestar Galactica. And then before it became a huge thing, for some reason, shorts, or I mean, uh, suits uh, was coming up. The little short clips of suits was coming up Love that show, uh, before it became a big thing. By the way, remember how we talked the other day about it? Like it was 3.1 billion minutes viewed. It mm -hmm. broke all these records. This week, it was bigger. Dang. Its popularity actually went up. Dang, suits. It's, it's crazy. And it's a great show. It's a really, really great show. By the way, I got up to season eight and I gave up. Uh, there's nine seasons, but at the end of season seven, spoiler, the main character leaves the show. Hmm. Now, really, there are two main characters. There's, uh, there's uh, Harvey and Mike. The, really, the show revolves around Mike. The premise of the show is this guy who never went to law school, who has faked his way into making people think he's a lawyer. But at the end of season seven, him and Meghan Markle... Uh, who plays his love interest in the show, they leave the show. And so I watched the first episode of season eight. I'm like, without them in it and that main conceit of the show, I just kind of gave up. Somebody's got to tell me if either of them come back for season nine. Because right now I don't have any interest in watching the rest of season eight or season nine. But up until the end of season seven, mwah, chef's kiss. It's a great show. Got to check it out. All right, what's next? From Ulatan, yesterday you had a conversation regarding who's the best actor today since Daniel Day-Lewis has retired. You discussed Leo and Ray, even said Matt Damon. Where would you rank Gary Oldman? I personally mm. put him up there with Daniel Day-Lewis. I don't. I don't. I, Gary Oldman is great. And if I was a producer, I put him in my movie any day of the week that he says he's willing to be it. And for a while, 
I proclaimed Gary Oldman to be the greatest actor on earth without an Academy Award. Well, of course, that got changed once he played Winston Churchill a couple of years ago, and he did get his Academy Award. Uh, I, I'm, I wouldn't put him, while I think he is amazing and fantastic and I love him, I don't think he's in that top two, three, four greatest actors on earth list. Um, but I know any of you guys disagree. I mean, he is, he is great. He's incredible. Like we all agree. He's fantastic. So transformative. Yeah, he is. But anybody got him in the, maybe the best actor in the world today. Well, I mean, the fact that he's retired now. So Gary Oldman would be, I, I, I definitely consider that. Yeah. I mean, I just think there's too many guys that I put in front of him right now. But again, if I was a producer, any day of the week, I'd put Gary Oldman in my movie. All right, what's next? From Red One Real Talk, I love Giancarlo Esposito and have enjoyed most of what he's done, but I'm genuinely curious. Has he had any roles recently where he isn't a villain or antagonist of some sort? Oh, he had that Netflix show where it was the colors that you could watch it out of order. I mean, he was a bank robber. You know, I never bothered watching that, so... Mm-hmm. He, there was this show, I think it was an NBC show, and I can't remember the name of it. It was on a few years ago, where the basic idea of the show was 10 years earlier, and nobody knows why, all electricity went out across the world. Oh, and yeah. the earth now had no electricity. Oh, I wanted to see that show. And it wasn't a bad little show, to be honest. It wasn't bad. But Giancarlo Esposito was one of the guys. But in that, he's, he's, he's <laughs> basically guy. a bad guy. Oh, yeah. um, he's not a bad guy in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But that's just a voice in it for an animated yeah, character. But he's in there, so you should see him if you like him. Yeah. Uh, again, you won't see him. But yeah, you I mean, him. you should see it if you like him. Uh, Mandalorian, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. What's that video game? He's kind uh, of the Far main. Far Cry. Far Cry. Yeah, he's, he's a bad guy in that. there. I don't know, man. He's just such a delicious villain. And that's what I told him when we t- uh, took those pictures at uh, WonderCon. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. The fir- <laughs> I shook his hand and I said... Don't ever stop playing a villain just because. That's right. I remember you did say that to him. I just said that. He said, thank you, brother. (laughs) You know what the thing about him, though, is it's the fact that he's got this power when he puts on his stern face and talks in a very serious tone. I mean, it's it's honestly something to behold. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it really is. He's that good. He's that strong. And. And like that just screams effective villain. You know what I mean? And what's great about him is when we met him, he is the nicest, most charismatic dude I think I've ever met, like as in in Hollywood. Like when, like him, uh, Hugh Jackman, they're all great people or seem like great people. I don't know them personally. Well, I'll tell you, when, when we were waiting to meet Giancarlo Esposito, he was literally out going up and down the lines meeting people. Like as they were waiting to meet him, he would go out into the lines of people waiting to see him and talk to him. And he was going out in that line to go meet him. Actually, you want to bring this up, Jonathan, if you can? Uh, There we go. There was a limit, too, about how many things people could get signed. He signed everything. Yeah, he signed everything. He wasn't allowed to take pictures with the people who got stuff signed. He took pictures with everyone. Yeah, Yeah, he he was really good. I love him. He did an interview on The Tonight Show a while ago talking about how much he wants to play a good guy. He was just like, I love that fans see me as Magneto or as Miss, uh, Dr. Freeze or Mr. Freeze. I, I'd love that, but I'd really like to play someone yeah. good. It's just that he's so good at being a villain. He's so, he's so good great at, at it. I'll go as so far as say this. Now that Alan Rickman isn't with us, I think he's the greatest 
villain actor in the world. I, I don't know that. that I can think of somebody else I could see as a better, who's who's a more take it to the bank. You make him the villain in your movie, it's gonna work. Yeah, William Defoe is pretty good too. Yeah, but he can he can transition back and yeah, forth and yeah, be yeah. different types of characters. I mean, just oh man, mm. William Defoe also is like a scamp. Yeah, but yeah. when he gets to play like a little unhinged good guy, you're like, ah, you're fun. All right, all right. Like what's him. next? From uh, Alan uh, Sivka, happy Friday can't be a crew. Something that bothers me is that Fast X may make more money than Mission Impossible in the box office. Yeah, and Mission Impossible was way better. I know Mission Impossible is still in its run, but I don't understand why more people want to see Fast X over Mission Impossible. Box office, we got to listen. We've always talked about this. Box office is not a definitive measurement of the quality of a movie, right? There are parts of it that can be, but overall, listen, Fast and the Furious, look, Mission Impossible isn't going to make as much money as a number of the garbage Transformers movies that came out. That's not because the Transformers movies are better. They're not. But, you know, sometimes it's about what's hot. Um, People have been following the Fast and the Furious movies for a lot of years. A lot of people like going just for the escapism entertainment. I mean, that's why I love Fast 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Hated 9 and 10. And it's it's more like a group movie, too. Like, it's not... Yeah, Vin Diesel is up front, but he's had this crew that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And so, if you don't like an actor that's in his crew right now, the next one, they may add an actor you do, and you're going to go watch that. I'm going to add one more thing in here, too. Whereas a lot of people, including me, thought that Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 will get a boost from the big success of Top Gun Maverick. It might have been the opposite. Mm-hmm. It might have been that people were like, no, 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 Tom Cruise is Maverick. It, it might have been that they, they're now Tom Cruised up, right? They had Top Gun Maverick, one of the biggest films of the year. It was you know nominated for Best Picture of the Academy Awards. It might be like, that's my Tom Cruise movie. And they weren't interested in going back to see him play something else. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just wondering. I, I think it's just the genre. I've always said this, like from the beginning, it's, it might just be the genre. It'll only... It only hits a certain amount of people. You could tell in the box office, all the Mission Impossibles, even all the double sevens, they've all kind of stayed in the same yes, area. Skyfall made over a billion dollars, uh, but but none of the Mission Impossible movies ever have, which right. is one of the reasons why I always try to temper people leading up to the release of Mission Impossible. A lot of people it's going to make 1.3 billion. It's going to make the billion. It's like, guys, I mean, and, and I got a lot of criticism on the show when I would bring up and I'd say, guys, listen, no Mission Impossible movies ever made a billion dollars. They, some of them made a lot of money, but none of them reached the billion dollar market. So I don't know. I, I don't really have a good, solid explanation for it. All right. What's next? From David. Seeing as Oppenheimer opens with Fission Chapter One, but never mentions chapters any part after that. Do you think there'll be a sequel to it? No. Oppenheimer 2, Electric Boogaloo? Yeah. I, yeah. No. <laughs> they, they, I mean, number one, anything not called Batman, Christopher Nolan doesn't do sequels. Yeah. Um, so, which is one of the reasons why I don't think he'll ultimately do Bond, because I think they will want him to do more than one film, and I don't think he's interested in that, although I hope he does. So, no, I don't think we're going to see any sequel to Oppenheimer. All right, what's next? All the time. Regardless of how we feel about the Secret Invasion finale, how do you rate the acting? I thought the scene between Kingsley Benadire and Samuel Jackson was brilliant. I was impressed with Kingsley acting and the way he conveyed Gravik's rage to Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah by the way, awesome. you mispronounce Ken. Um, yeah, listen, that dude who was also one of the Kens in the Barbie movie, he's really good. 
And I really did like that that scene between him and Samuel Jackson at the end. With there, there was a lot of good intensity, but it never went overboard. Look, I'm going to say something really unpopular. Um, what's her name from Game of Thrones? Emilia Clark. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, Emilia. Yeah, she's not that good of an actress. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I loved her in Game of Thrones. I really did. I loved her in Game of Thrones, but that garbage Christmas movie she did with Henry Golding. Jeez. Her terrible performance in the Terminator movie. I honestly don't think she brought much to the role. Now, granted, the writing wasn't great, but I really don't think she brought much to the role in this. Look, I'm not sitting here to tell you she's a terrible actress. Again, I thought she was great in Game of Thrones. But I have... I'm a number of projects into her now, and I have yet to see her be in anything outside of Game of Thrones that I walked out saying she was really strong in that. I, I don't know. And you guys got something you can throw at me that that she was in outside of Game of Thrones that we could that we can all look at and say, you know what? She was really good in that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've only ever seen her in one other thing, which was Solo, and that was like not a huge role. I mean, she was decent in, in Solo. She's in a real... God, yeah, but again, movie? I wouldn't say she elevated the movie in Solo. You know no. what I mean? She wasn't bad, but I feel like that's the best thing I can say is mm-hmm. that, well, there was that one where she wasn't bad in. Yeah. And you know, she's, she's not bad in Secret Invasion. It's just that I, I'm honestly thinking she's an actress right now whose star is way up ahead of where her actual talent level is. And I hope to see something that changes my mind and proves me wrong. But... Right now, I, I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing the evidence right now. Well, we'll see. All right, what's next? From CJ Rebirth, since it's Turtles Week, one thing I enjoyed about the second Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie was the introduction of live-action Krang, voiced mm-hmm. by Brad Garrett, who's good friends with the voice actor of the original character in the original animated show. By the way, Brad Garrett is so one of the funniest live stand-up comedians I've ever seen. I, I was in Vegas one time, got a text from uh, Mark... And Mark was like, "Hey, I'm I'm performing. I'm in Vegas right now. I'm performing at uh, Brad Garrett's comedy club in MGM. And I decided to go watch him. And Garrett opens up his show. And Garrett killed me. He's so funny. I've, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no pleasant memories of the second TMNT movie. Uh, that my, I really liked the first one that Michael Bay produced. Really liked it. Uh, and I was excited that Stephen Amell was going to be in the second one." Because I really like Stephen Amell, but ooh, there's not a lot I, mm-hmm. I think. You're the Turtles guy here, Ray. And what, what did you, was there anything about the second one that you I, liked? I agree with the writer. Uh, the Krang introduction in live action was something I wanted to see for a long time. But other than that, I don't remember. There was, there's a big fight on top of the skyscraper with Krang. That's all I remember. Um, yeah, the first one was better. But yeah, I agree with the writer. All right, what's next? From John Alex Grimm, I've seen posts about people saying, "Look, A twenty six can do what the A twenty four can do what the union wants. Why can't the rest?" What's your opinion on that line of thinking? Because A twenty four is not a member of the AMPTP; the other studios are. That that's it. Uh, the, the, remember, the actors and the writers are striking against the AMPTP, which includes Disney, Warner Brothers, Netflix, on and on, all the major television networks, all that kind of stuff. Now. A24 happens to be a smaller studio that is not actually a member of the AMPTP. So any studio that is not a signatory, one of the members being represented by the AMPTP, uh, can 
get waivers from SAG or the WGA to continue on with projects under certain conditions. But as long as these other studios are a member of the AMPTP, they can't do what A24 can only do it because they're not a member of the AMPTP. Now, a studio, let's say Warner Brothers, I'm just pulling a name out of my ass here. Warner Brothers says, well, we're going to leave the AMPTP and do this. Well, then they're going to be the subject of a lot of lawsuits because they're in a collective bargaining agreement with that, that group of people. So yeah, that's why the others can't do it because all the other ones are in the AMPTP. A24 is not. The John Campia show is not, which is why Chris Carr can be here. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. All right. What's next? From Matt1372, Nate Diaz versus Jake Paul is tomorrow. Oh, God. Uh, this fight is ridiculous, but I'll still be watching it because Nate Diaz is one of my favorite fighters. Will you be watching the fight, John? No, it's a joke. It's a joke. Anything with Jake Paul is a joke. In in terms of fighting. I'm not talking about the personal life of the man. I'm just talking about his fight. It's, it's all a joke. Uh, so, no, I have no interest in watching. I will watch real fights tomorrow because... Uh, there is, we got some real great fights coming up, but no, I'm not going to be watching that slideshow. All right. What's next? From Esteban Reyes. I went to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it was awesome. Give Spider-Man a run for its money. However, I'm still blown away by the Barbie crowds that come dressed up. The popcorn line was 10 minutes long. Hope this encourages Hollywood to invest in bigger, fresher movies and also encourage franchises to release less with more quality. Yeah. I mean, Look, we can say that now, but the reality is for over a decade, the MCU was on this big run of everything they put out made over a billion dollars, and they were putting out several projects a year. That's not the answer. You know, I was talking to one of my uh, business guys yesterday. He says, do you think that the message to Hollywood right now with Mario Brothers and Barbie being the two biggest movies of the year is that the audiences are looking for brand new original movies. And I said, no, to which he was surprised. He said, why would you say no? I said, because for every one original movie like Barbie, that is making 800 plus million dollars right now and counting, there's 25 other original movies that came out that didn't make $200 million. So I I don't think that's the message here. The message here is the audience at the end of the day is looking for quality. Because I'll tell you what, if Barbie sucked, It would have had a big opening weekend. Yes, it still would have had a big opening weekend, but it would not have carried the word of mouth. It wouldn't have had the return business. It wouldn't have had any of that. Oppenheimer, which is doing so well. Yeah, Christopher Nolan, you're going to get a bunch of people out opening weekend. But after that, the word of mouth, the return business, all that kind of stuff. Super Mario Brothers. I don't think Super Mario Brothers was one of the best movies of the year, but it was fun and it was enjoyable. And if people came out of that movie saying this movie sucked, and people didn't like it, it would not have gone to $1.35 billion. It's like I always say about when people bring up comic book movie fatigue. People don't have comic book movie fatigue. They have mediocre fatigue. They have mediocrity fatigue. And if you come out and deliver something big, which, by the way, the two biggest movies we're talking about have comic book-like qualities. qualities. Big, recognizable IP with Barbie. Big, recognizable IP like Super Mario Brothers. I'm not saying they are comic book movies, but they carry a comic book movie-like qualities along with them, that they are huge, recognizable IP that people have recognized and engaged with for generations. So I don't know that that's the answer, but I hope that the message Hollywood takes away is, hey, you know what? If we actually focus more on making truly great movies, we can make money. I mean, that would be great if more and more of the movie audience would actually get out there and support original films. Hence Meg too. What's that? Hence Meg Do. <laughs> Hence original Meg Do. Movies. 
All right, what's next? From Casinema, this would never happen, but would Blue Beetle be projected to do better if the DC logo wasn't attached? It shows no significant or even minor connection to the DCEU, yet it's still projected to flop. You know, it's a good question. I'm not sure that it would, but here's the thing too. I'm not sure it wouldn't. (laughs) I'm not sure it wouldn't do better if it didn't have the DC thing attached. Because right now the reality is the DC logo is like putting a label on a box of milk that says this will cause male sexual dysfunction. Oh, wow. And say, oh, like, <laughs> you're going to go for it. And they're like, oh, wait. Then you say, that's kind of what the DC label on these movies is right now. Instead of attracting people, it's repelling people. So I'm not sure it would do better. Because nobody's ever heard of Blue Beetle and all this kind of stuff. But I'm not sure it would do any worse if you took the label off it. All right. And with that down, guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campia Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of our show today. Big special thank you to our sponsor, Mint Mobile. And next week, our new sponsor, Ray, you know what I'm going to say, Meg Mobile. Oh, boy. <laughs> Swimming into our show Next week. Uh, no, and a big special thank you to all you guys, our channel members who sent in those questions. First of all, because being channel members means you support what we do here. But secondly, you gave us some fun things to talk about. So we appreciate that. So for everybody in the room, Ray Aura. Total power, baby. Jonathan Voigo. Hey. Right. And Chris Carr. <laughs> Bye, guys. My name's Scott Campia. Have a great weekend, everybody. And until next time, my friends. Bye-bye.